Do you invest in ETFs? Whether you're thinking, what in the world is an ETF? Or you're looking for the next opportunity to add to your portfolio. GlobalX has you covered. From big tech to bonds and bars of gold, GlobalX offers a wide range of exchange-traded funds. Go beyond ordinary with GlobalX ETFs. Visit globalxetfs.com.au. That's globalxetfs.com.au. I am so excited to tell you that InvestSmart and Intelligent Investor are long-term sponsors of this podcast. And here's something I want to tell you about. The Intelligent Investor Select Value Fund is a unique mix of global leaders and homegrown small caps poised for long-term growth. The portfolio manager is Nathan Bell, a talented investor you may have heard on the Rust Network multiple times. The Select Value Fund is designed for investors seeking international diversification and Aussie companies with superior financial metrics. You can invest today at intelligentinvestor.com.au slash IISV dash offer. That's intelligentinvestor.com.au slash IISV dash offer. Hey there, here's a quick note. This podcast contains general financial advice only. That means it's not specific to you, your needs, goals, or objectives. So don't act on the information until you've spoken with your financial advisor. You'll find our full disclosure, disclaimer, and link to our financial services guide in the show notes. Drew Meredith, how you going? (laughs) Pretty good. Good to be here as always. Checking to make sure everything's all solid. Cool. Welcome to this week's episode of the Australian Investors Podcast. Welcome back. You're joined by Drew Meredith. Managing partner, is that the name? Managing director. Managing director. Managing director. <laughs> managing director. <laughs> Doctor managing director. <laughs> Looking to add another one to my suite, if you're not careful. Okay. So managing director, CEO. No, not CEO. Oh, damn it. Uh, managing director of Waddle Partners. Uh, yes. Financial planning all around the country, but headquarters here in Melbourne. Melbourne, Sydney offices, yep. Yep, cool. Like it. Um, so today Also an advisor. Yep. Yeah, also a financial <laughs> advisor. And it... Amateur basketball player, I'm to- told as well. When, when possible. Semi-pro. Do we, do we want a semi-pro? <laughs> do we want a finger update or do we leave the finger update? How is the finger going? Uh, well, I went to see the doctor. They said, well, it's either going to turn black and fall off <laughs> or it'll, and it'll grow back or it'll take. And when you say fall off, you don't mean the whole finger. You just mean the end of the finger. <laughs> yeah, a bit of hyperbole, yep. Yeah, okay. But if the, if the whole finger did fall off and then grow back, I might, the rest of my hand will get pretty sore. You'd be a freak of nature. Yeah, I thought it was a lizard. Like, yeah, I well, you said that the other day. Mark Zuckerberg, so. Um, so a quick update for folks. Today's episode is going to be a little bit shorter than usual because right after this, and naturally I've left us with no time to record a special episode that will appear over summer, which is... 24 ways to invest in 2024. Yes, you heard it here first. That'll be coming up. Drew and I just riffing on 24 ideas to help you invest better in 2024. And No Telstra. Spoiler alert, (laughs) no Telstra, but also some of them are a bit of fun. Some new stocks. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll be talking all about that. Uh, You'll hear that in a couple of weeks, but today's episode is going to be slightly shorter. We have one more episode after this one of the two cents segment for 2023. That means if you've got any Christmas cheer some jokes for us. You want to relive some of your best memories from the Australian Investors Podcast in 2023, send them to us. Use the link in the show notes in your podcast player right now that says, ask a question, select the Australian Investors Podcast. Special update, the most downloaded episodes on the Australian Investors Podcast. So Drew and my episodes, the two cents on a Saturday, um, 
I think of the top 10, about seven of them were in the top 10. Oh, um, so we credit, don't credit to you. Credit to you, sir. Um, <laughs> but of the interview style episodes, the top episodes for the year include, and this is not necessarily in order, although Glenn James was number one. Uh, Steve Sammartino's is up there. Nick Crocker's episode from Blackbird, if you remember that. Nathan Bell from Intelligent Investor. Joe Mager's interviews. Mike Kemp. Um, Declan Edwards was who was the happiness guy. That was an episode with Kate and Declan. Uh, Rebecca Morgan's investing in property and renovating and all that. Dr. Lawrence Cunningham and Dave Gow from Strong Money. These are all some of the most popular episodes of 2024. Did you say there's a theme there? 2023. Uh, what's the theme? I'm, not, I'm just, I'm just <laughs> Usually there's a theme and something that's connected people to it. Is it? It's not private markets, not equities. It's more, it feels like storytelling or future focused. So a lot of all of these episodes, I think if I could look at them and just eyeball them now, the thing that they really did well, these guests, is they talk about they're they're all much higher energy than the your regular like if you get a fund manager on the show, I don't know what you're laughing about, but I'm not that <laughs> funny. Maybe I am. No, I'm not. Um said dad jokes coming in hot. <laughs> oh really? You got a request. Yeah. Okay. Um I think if you come on to a podcast, you want to be high energy. Like Steve, there's no doubt that Steve Sammartino was that. Um, but a lot of them, all of them, what they had in common is they all have an ability to make a theoretical point actionable. So like yeah. they have this theory about how things work and then have a concise answer for it. And one of the strategies that we use, and I think I've told you about this before, Drew, is more Kate uses this, is um, like the 100 most popular topics that we would cover on the Australian Finance Podcast. She has an answer already for all of them. So she's yeah. given them all thought in advance. So when she, get, uh, when she gets asked those questions, she has an answer. Yeah. And it's the right answer and it's a good answer. Um, and I think anyone can do this in their profession to save themselves time. It's the most common answers have a response, have a framework for dealing with that. And these, all of these guys have that. All of them. There's something like, is it Planet Money or something where they kind of get a high level perspective on, say, inflation and then work that down to the micro of coffee, how inflation's impacting the coffee yeah, right. that, that um, you buy every day and why the price is coming up? got to admit, I've never once listened to an episode Maybe of it's Planet, Planet Money. Planet Money. It's That's very similar. popular though. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we'll be over January. Uh, we will be reliving the top 10 episodes, uh, not just from this list, but from all time. Um, so other names from the back catalogue, which you may not have heard, Wayne Jones, Luke Trickett, Curtis Larson, Johnny Shapiro, Matt Joss, so many others, Professor Alan Duffy last year, so many other really popular guests that we've had on the show. I'll be collating the top 10 and then sharing them with you in all of January. And then Drew and I will be back in Feb. So that means... You've got one more week of two cents, and then the following week we've got um, the 2024 installment of investing. So that would be the 24 ways to invest in 2024. So get your feedback, your comments, your topics, everything into us in the next week. Hit that button. Drew, what have you been working on this week? Uh, I think we've got an idea of where to invest in the next uh, 10 years, which would be baseball. Is that Just what this is? This deal? I had to Google what Shohei this, this Otani. Yeah, this goes Shuhai Otani. So one okay. of the they call them a unicorns in in sports, like you, you know Victor Wembayana. Wembayana. Yeah, the really tall uh, dude from the NBA. Seven, yeah, what is he seven five and can play every position. Yeah. Uh, so this guy played baseball in LA. I know most of us in Australia don't even know what baseball is. Yep. Signed a seven hundred 
US dollar, 700 million US dollar contract for 10 years. So he's paid, it was, I think, 60% above the highest current contract. That's just unbelievable. A billion Aussie. So it's 100 million a year he's being paid as a salary, let alone all the marketing that comes on the side of it. Wow. So start learning baseball. Can he hit the it's ball or is he late. one of those? He does he a pitcher? This is why he, he can hit and he can pitch. Wow. Because I Googled him. He doesn't, he doesn't look like <laughs> we're, not, we're not judging a book by its cover here, are we? He's 29. That is baseball. How old do you play baseball? He's going to be- He played at 40. Oh, he's 1.93 1. meters. He's a he's pretty decent timber when you think about it. How, he's a big boy. So you can play to, play to when you're 40 in baseball? Yeah, you can. I mean, you don't have to move all that much on a baseball field. Jeez, we're going to cop it from all the baseball lovers in Australia. The minority, it's like- don't say that about Major League Baseball. <laughs> uh, That's massive. So he's paid more than Lionel Messi and Cristiano Ronaldo, potentially combined. Maybe not combined. Maybe we're pushing that a little bit. Wow. Um, yeah. But to a Japanese baseballer signed with the LA Dodgers. So clearly, let's invest into sports sports teams. If you can pay that much for a player and still make money, something's going right there. Feels a lot like F1 and what's happened in F1 the last few years. Wow. it's uh, He's only got 6.4 million Instagram followers, Drew, so that it's a lot per Instagram. Yeah, we're going to follow following up. <laughs> Catching up to two, don't we? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, we do. I'm just going to look. You, you mentioned investing in uh, companies. Uh, so the Brisbane... Brisbane Broncos Limited, ASX oh, yeah, BBL is up that. 83% in five years, year over year. Brisbane Broncos share price down 22%. Market cap of $87 million trades on a PE ratio of 20 times. Not that no, great. Maybe Manchester United might be a better alternative. Yeah, well, um, it's up 650%, the share price of Brisbane Broncos, from $0.12 cents in 1999. Com <laughs> era style stuff. Um, you know, do you know any other sports teams that are listed? Manchester United. Are they? Yeah. Are they really? Yeah. Oh, I did not know uh, that. I, I, know, I think there's this. a couple of like private equity funds that might be listed that own oh. rights. Uh, it's been a tough year for Manchester United on Manchester and off United the field. Yeah. Bugger all. Three billion market cap. And I'm sure the Beckham documentary on Netflix is doing great things for them. Do you know what else is listed? Juventus. Oh, Juventus. Yeah. Yep. And the Italian uh, soccer league. They have struggled since, geez, Cristiano Ronaldo, Ronaldo the legacy. It's fallen from <laughs> It's fallen from a dollar sixteen to 25 cents so, in like, since COVID. From my perspective, there's there's certain assets suited to different markets. I'd say sports team so ownership now is more of a private market. Reeling back in, you do need patience. I know. I think Mark Cuban just sold the Dallas Mavericks for two billion. So, so you need to buy um, the right teams, is what you're saying. You know, private markets are suited to some of these more patient, you know, investments, not okay. necessarily listed markets, when you can um, probably trade on a weekend result. All right, but what that's a, off topic. So, what about? Um, how many employees do you reckon Juventus, which is a soccer team, have? 72. 1,098. Right. <laughs> it was established in 1897. That's why it's not a great investment. Oh, Leon is also listed. Uh, that's a different company, uh, soccer team. Never mind. We're getting not personal advice. Don't buy sports teams. That's my advice. Don't buy public sports teams. Buy chemists. It's like, it's like REITs. Is it like REITs? Maybe it's like REITs. Like some things on the public markets just aren't as good as private markets. Oh, I think REITs are beautiful at the moment though. Well, they're oh, okay at the moment. We don't want to steal our ideas for the next one. Um, oh, um, it's like farmland. Basically all the farmland that's on the stock market is horrible. 
if there's certain things companies. Because yeah. they all could stay in the family. Whether it's asset-based or whether it's the commodity risk or the vagaries of running a sports team that come into it, it's definitely yeah. certain yeah. things shouldn't be listed. Chemists, on the other hand. Chemists are going to be listed, Drew. I think we meant, we kind of touched on this last week, but the, that was while well, it was still a rumour that was yet to be delivered and then, bam, there it is. Look at this. You heard it here first. The Australian Investors Podcast, breaking headlines. <laughs> Chemist Warehouse generates about – I was reading your notes before. Uh, Look at that sales curve. Yeah, it is unbelievable growth, considering it's been around for a long time. I was pretty surprised that only 27% of their um, sales – Yeah, come from the dispensary. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, or so the opposite. Thirty percent. Yes. Yeah, it's the opposite way around for, for other chemists. Other so chemists, chemists, where as you go in, there's just stickers everywhere. Yeah, <laughs> place like JB Hi-Fi, uh, a bit better positioned. Sorry, JB Hi-Fi. I um, actually, <laughs> I actually avoid chemist warehouse for prescriptions. Yeah, because I just think I, I don't know this. If you work for chemist warehouse, let us know right into us. I feel like they deliberately slow down the dispensing of prescriptions. So you buy more stuff. Yeah, I so just leave and come back, and it's, yeah, it's waiting. So annoying. <laughs> though. I just that's why I don't go there. Um, I only obviously go there for actual items. But I reckon there's a timer. I reckon, I reckon there's some sort of – I could be wrong. This is a conspiracy on the Australian <laughs> Investors Podcast, but I tend to feel like they're slower. I feel like the cap raising is clear, so we, we won't be <laughs> impacting the share price. No, we can impact the share price. Bugger it. Like, this but is my it's, conspiracy. It's a good story. Like, like Chemist Warehouse growing at over, what, 10, 15 years, continually growing. And I, I really liked – which probably fits with our um, – uh, golden rules that we talk about. Mm-hmm. I think it was Jack, was it Gantz or Baraki that talked about the 30-year strategy? Mm. I could have been 20 years. Oh, Basically, yeah, he said he thinks about the business in 30-year uh, tranches. So the first 30 is growing the business. The second 30 is growing globally. And this third 30 is kids can do what they want with it. Oh, <laughs> right. Okay. Sort of like the thousand-year plan. Like that's If that's true and that's how he thinks about it, that is like – the, that's super visionary and the ability to he wants to become like a Walgreens or a uh, not is it Walgreens and Boots in the US like just a massive global chain yeah I think yeah yeah I think <laughs> it's visions of grandeur uh, yeah I feel like a lot of people um, have these visions and then we do think of them as like wonderful uh, visionaries when it goes right but you know there's a there's a lot of people out there that probably had a similar idea of building a wonderful pharmaceutical chain and then it didn't work out. But you're right, credit to him, he's done it. Um, speaking of, Platinum Asset Management caused a, bit of, caused a bit of stir on the old X slash Twitter over the last week or so when they appointed a new CEO. Uh, everyone's like, just milk the thing and um, <laughs> give it up, active management. It's on the way out, mate. Thoughts, Drew? It's just a I mean, we said it last week. It's a bit. Of, it's a tough sector for active funds funds management, but I think particularly incumbents that have had assets and like long term assets and performance. Yeah. Like even if you're doing well now, you can see outflows yeah. because people are going passive or they're going more niche or there's an influx of new managers coming in, um, and you can see the assets have fallen from what was it, twenty six billion yeah. down to fifteen. Yeah, um, that's since twenty eighteen over five years. Um, yeah. But then. I mean, they're in a value market and their funds are starting to perform quite well. Uh, so it's, I think, I mean, you're clearly looking at growth here and it looks like we, we've had Andrew Clifford at a couple of events. I uh, had the pleasure of sitting next to him over dinner and it's, he's definitely on this kind of a growth focus and, um, and you know, Platinum's not going anywhere. Uh, 2018, Platinum's share price was $8.30. 
Today it's one dollars thirty. One dollar. One dollars. <laughs> I remember we uh, at our but original in the last business. Month, it's up ten percent. Yeah. So we staff got a bonus back in when platinum floated. So we we bought stock in mm. uh, platinum. Pretty and then IPO. Don't tell care. Nielsen, we stagged it, <laughs> sold it out, and staff got the profit. Oh, that really? Was, uh, I think Jamie's idea back in the day. So you guys bought it pre-IPO as a business, and then <clears throat> paid out the profit huh. to yeah to all split to all staff. Oh wow! But then they it's tried to do it again on Jamie. another IPO, <laughs> and they lost money, and this thing stopped for good. Uh, well, yeah, the, I mean, to be honest, selling in the IPO is probably the best idea anyone had. Uh, because it looks like an IPO to about <laughs> eight, eight bucks. Jesus, King <laughs> Dr. Hindsight. <laughs> I mean, yeah. No. Nah. But it's, nah, yeah. uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's market cap 800 mil, price earnings ratio of nine, dividend yield trailing 10%. Got some francs in there yeah. as well. Um, and not the francs you get at your kid's birthday party. Actual <laughs> franking credits. So... <laughs> Uh, but like if you think about that um, a lot of people have been drawn into platinum because it is a wonderful business that thing called funds management when it works or even if it's just stable because it's capital light but it has been really tough for the business over a long time and like you said Andrew Clifford is a very good operator yeah definitely um, yeah interesting new CEO at the helm let's see what they do over the next 12 to 18 months Um, the other piece of news did we talk about this last week? Maybe we touched on it briefly. Is it, that funds management space is heating up a bit yeah. because um, Perpetual's proposed split of their private wealth, um, but together with Solpats trying to buy them, that was quite interesting. We talked, we did talk about this last week. Um, there is people do see value in these active funds, and there is a lot of inertia, isn't there, with these businesses? Like, if you are invested with Perpetual, you are invested with Platinum. And you've done okay. You're probably not going to sell and crystallize your gains. No, a lot of the time you've got yeah gains that you're going to have to realize or pay tax on, and that's a th- something that stops people. And a lot of people still love platinum from you know Andrew Care and the P- PM from before. So, um, well, even it is yeah. the big institutional money moves much more quickly, and that's where most like Magellan has lost a lot of their assets has yep. been in institutional, so like pension funds cutting yep. their exposures, but less so in in retail. If I had to. Uh, force you into a false choice, backed you into a corner in dark alleyway, and I said, "Again, platinum or Magellan? What would you go with? Like for shares, not for the funds, which are totally different. But like, mm, I've just been burned by Magellan, so I have to go platinum. <laughs> <laughs> you I know that covered all too well. <laughs> it feels sorry. Like, it feels like both of them have a dividend yield trailing of around about ten percent." trade on a price earnings ratio of around about nine. That's on trailing metrics though. Magellan, as we know, has just come over the back of the Nepalese mountains. <laughs> <laughs> Coming down the other side. Um, but they're both well run, good people at the helm. Yeah. Strong legacy brands. And some but just some really tough both market of new CEOs, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Um Interesting. So, right into us. Was Drew right or wrong? Uh, platinum. <laughs> I, I tell you what. I reckon it's. I reckon Magellan. I reckon Magellan will be the better investment like the next twelve months. Well, I tell you what. If I'm right, you, you buy me a Magellan share in a year, and if you're right, I'll buy you a. 
six platinum shares because because they're only a dollar thirty yeah. and right. Magellan's eight bucks. All right. There you go. I'll just watch watch finger. <laughs> okay, we just shook on that. All right, so from this day, I'm going to set a reminder in a sec. Uh, what else is making news? Uh, well, I just met, uh, I caught up with the team at Yarra about oh, yeah. X20. So I know we love um, mid caps and, and mid caps. Yes. So they're talking about their new or newish uh, mid cap strategy and kind of the opportunity set in small and medium companies in Australia and why, you know, the concentration in the ASX 200 is, you know, 60% in two sectors mm-hmm. and then really two iron ore companies and four banks is where all your exposure comes from. So why there's such rich opportunity, whether it's in technology, industrials and all these other sectors um, in the mid cap space, which super interesting. And there's some kind of insights there that will probably be on our top 24, which is uh, what's happening in real estate at the moment and where the opportunities are popping up within different parts of the real estate market. So Yara's big, big group does fixed income and Australian equities. I think you, I'm not sure if you've done in- interviews over there before, but no, I think we're, and Tim D- Tui D- is quite right? good. Dion? Yeah. 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 Dion, I think Dion's coming on the show early next year. Excellent. Yeah. So um, that'll be good. I've just put it in your calendar 12 <laughs> months from now. <laughs> That's why you're typing away. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, Dion's coming on the show. Excellent. Did, oh, we just met what, Dion before. You could yeah. have just said this. So apologies. Didn't, um, <laughs> Didn't, Usually I didn't Yarra out, buy you. the assets of Tyndall? Tyndall, that's yeah. it. Yeah. Um, that, that basically just pole vaulted them straight up to like billions of bill. dollars. Yeah. 20 bill, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, that's inside finance. Um, anything else that you want to share with us before we get to. Actually, no, we're just going to jump straight to it because today's a quicker episode. Um, what, are you, what, are your goals? what are your goals for the new year? Catch a big snapper. That's one of mine. You're kind of <laughs> reading off my, my side. <laughs> I kind of need to do a reset of my budget. Okay. Just put a calendar invite saying 12 months on platinum versus Magellan. Yeah. <laughs> You've heard it here first, folks. This is on the official record. Yeah, I shouldn't be checking my emails. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was waiting for that to come up. Oh, I think just resetting your budget, which you don't necessarily do. You get, I don't know if you're like me, you just get caught up in doing everything else mm. and now go back and see what you're spending and where. And budgets f- should be backward looking and maybe some slight adjustments going forward. <laughs> yeah. uh, but resetting that properly, um, I won't use the first one because it'll... <laughs> uh, and then have a real break. We wow. kind of forget. Yeah. Yeah, a bit tired. It's tough. Uh, are you getting some time away? Yeah, probably take... I think the uh, we'll be out of the office for two weeks and there'll be a bit of dabbling in, you know... Crypto. Daily updates <laughs> and, and prepping for our quarterly reviews as there always is when it's nice and quiet. But yep. uh, yeah, probably at least a week of... Maybe no no work. I'll try. Mm-hmm. Do my best. It's hard. It's hard when you have multiple businesses. It's really hard to shut the brain down too. Yeah. It's, it takes you a week just to switch off. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. That's I do want to catch fishing. a big snapper. <laughs> uh, that's what I'll be doing a bit of. Let's land a barrel. A barrel's a southern bluefin tuna. Uh, I thought but, you were going to say like a some sort of skateboard move, but I'm like, oh, oh and you shouldn't that be on sounds a skateboard. So pretty gnarly. Maybe a go into a barrel on a surfboard but um, no I yeah I'm going to try and land a tuna southern bluefin which is out of the heads in here in Victoria big 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 fish if I can get one that, if I get that that'll give up my, my boat dreams um, that's it um, okay I've got one hypothetical then we'll get to the team's questions if you could only pick one bank stock to own for 10 years what would it be CBA really yeah why it's literally the best bank in Australia Macquarie? Deposit funding. Macquarie's not really a bank. Well, if you, yeah. 
like a tiny bit of their business is a bank, 15%, 20% banking. Okay, include CBA. the regionals, include Macquarie. CBA. Really? It's like if you're going to buy the banking sector, they're all pretty much correlated apart from Macquarie. Mm. So you may as well buy the best one that has the most customer deposits, has the best net interest margin, has the best execution. It'll go out of style at some point, but... Mm. All right. If you could only buy one ASX stock- <laughs> Are you going to answer that one or are you just putting it on me? I would go Macquarie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Macquarie is one of my favorite companies too, so- Business banking um, is the big thing for CBA. Retail banking is where Macquarie, as we know, is pushing into. But it's amazing. Those two are cut, have always been a cut above the rest. Yeah. If you could sell one of the bank stocks, which one would you sell? Not the regionals because we know they're a bit- they're not great. Westpac? Yeah, I was going to say Westpac. Yeah, that's yeah. just the easy one, isn't it? Yeah. Too much interest um, on in lines. ANZ. It's a mess. It's got no strategy. Sorry, Westpac. Um, okay. If you could pick one stock to own for the next 10 years, what would it be? I've caught you off guard on this. There's 2,000 plus of them. So, if you just picked one that comes to your mind. Oral? CSL. <laughs> CSL? CSL. Wow. So many times I've been caught wrong by the timing of CSL. It's always expensive. It is, has to, it's still one of the best companies in the world by far. And it's going through this little period where it feels like it's expensive or it's challenged. 10 years from now, CSL is still going to be punching out immunoglobulin. <laughs> <laughs> you always pick the big words for the show. <laughs> I just try to test myself like I do with Outside adjuncts. of the studio, do you only use two syllable words? Hey, no more. No. <laughs> Uh, I just see in the earnings, like earnings growth falling from 10 to like eight, seriously, like 8% earnings growth still. And the company's like listed in 1992. It's amazing. And it's, I like this, as we'll see in the next episode, it sounds like, uh, this kind of health sciences sector as well, like more treatments, more disease, all these things that kind of fit the CSL story. Yeah. And it's not Telstra. I like it. I'd go WiseTech. Yeah. Surprise, surprise. Got to massively overpay for that thing. But I just think if, you know, I'm assuming you're telling me like you can't open your eyes for 10 years. It would be a wild ride buying Wise Tech at the current share price. But it's just got such a huge addressable market and it's such sticky software. I just, even if AI starts to write more code for people, I just can't see how they can all, it can also do all the customs and all the people and the paperwork as I'm shuffling, shuffling paperwork here style stuff that is so archaic in logistics. Um, so that would be what I go. Okay. We're going to do about 10 minutes of questions, maybe 15 minutes, because we want to get to this next episode that we're going to record and share with you over the Christmas break. Just remember that if you do send your question in, we love it when you send a funny name in. We've had a few people claim their prize for the funniest name every week, which uh, we give you the Value Investor Program for free, which is 499 bucks. teaches you how to invest in companies, but also into things like managed funds and index funds. Um, we do not know your personal circumstances. Now, we had a question last week, which I did have to issue a stern warning for. We do not like it when you give us all of your financial situation. You can tell us stories about things, but we don't want to know your goals, your needs, your risk profile, that sort of stuff. Please do not send that stuff in because it just makes us harder, makes it harder for us to answer. Have a bit of fun with your question. We love hearing from you. Absolutely love hearing from you, but seek the advice of a licensed and trusted professional, a financial advisor like, say, Drew here. There is a link in the show notes to financial planning, and they can give you one-on-one -on -one financial advice. As we spoke about last week, if you're looking for financial advice over Christmas and the new year, use the link in your show notes because it is going to become easier for you to get financial advice in the next two years. We're going to have one of these ironic, unqualified 
quote unquote qualified advisors <laughs> give you advice in the future probably. But um, if you want a full legit financial planner uh, for retirement, which I know so many of you do, use the link in your podcast player. Also read the PDS of any super funds or ETFs that we mentioned. Kathy 58 says retirement getting closer. Suggestion more than a question. This was a bit of a butter your bread, Drew and Jamie. Butter. Uh, Kathy says, I enjoyed Drew and Jamie's portfolio scenarios. Thank and, you. And would love if they could do another one or more. They could even have real people interviewed. Someone who'd agree to share their info or interview some of their clients at different stages like pre and post retirement. Drew. Appreciate it. Okay, <laughs> and we'll move on. No, 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 to, no. <laughs> not to brag, <laughs> but it would be great. But you do have a retirement podcast. Yeah, I was going to say one is we've actually started doing case studies with some of our clients yep. and friends, uh, and I've got a three. We're going to record an episode uh, in next the next week. few weeks as well. Yep, uh, which will launch on the Equity Mates channel. Mm -hmm. Uh, and we're interviewing clients that have at different stages of retirement and talking through where like for some, it's like downsizing, they did property to it, like all the different things that they did. They re-retired re three times. So that'd be one part. But the other part would be to send in your, uh, the case studies that you think are relevant. Like we just come up with these, whether it's a standard client that we have, but I was like, is it, a, do you have a million? You want 80,000 income? Is it, what, send us through some case studies and we can workshop those and, yeah. and bring them online. Definitely. We, we, we love you know, sharing these kind of insights. Email address, drew at waddlepartners.com.au. Yep. Send it in, Kathy. If you do have, I'll give you a tip, Kathy. Don't give up all of your life story. Make it anonymous. And if you send some ideas across to them, they should be able to answer it in a generalized fashion and talk around those things. So that's a really good suggestion. We do appreciate your feedback because um, we've done a few of these over the years. We've done, oh, we've done it on self wealth live. We've done one on Rass live. We did one as a group um, yep. as well. And we know you love it. We know you love hearing about this sort of stuff. So we will do more of it. But we love retirement questions. I like retirement questions in particular, to be honest. So there'll be more of that coming up in 2024. Um, anything else you want to add before we move on? No, I think that's it. Yeah, oh, you got keep the book. Through. Got the book. Uh, yeah, yeah, the book. Well, the book has about twelve case studies within it of yep. different situations, yep. and different different funds, different uh, life stages on retirement. Yep, cool. Michael Banks. I don't know if this is a real name. Maybe <laughs> it's a question about banks. I reckon it's a fake name. Fake name. Do small Australian banks such as mm -hmm. My State, which trades under the ticker symbol MYS, stand a chance in short, mid, long term? Or do they only have potential as takeover targets? This is an interesting one because I did not realize that we, I did a hypothetical about bank shares and there's a question about banks, although I've got my notes here. Um, my state, it's a really interesting business in that it's divided primarily into banking and then it has managed investment schemes and it acts and does all the back office for fund managers. Yep. Thoughts, Drew? No. <laughs> I, don't, I just don't think the way the market structured in Australia, this oligopoly, another big word, oh, yeah. <laughs> that the, you know, the big four banks is just so protected and their cost of capital is so much lower. It is incredibly difficult for these companies to compete. You know, the numbers on this company were massive, like their loans growing three times the rest of the, every other bank and their users growing up, but their net interest margin is 1.63, which is okay. But it's still, you know, going to be driven by where they can raise capital. And a lot of the time, mm. they're a different credit rating, they're lower, and it's very hard to grow profitably. But I think there's an interesting angle here. Maybe I'm completely left field, but with the changes happening in uh, advice, does it become attractive to own 
a bank for distribution of financial advice and yeah product at some point. Old is new again. Yeah. Because you think if an industry super fund or a major bank is allowed to provide qualified advice, well, why couldn't my state? Mm. Yeah. So just so people understand what's potentially going to happen with these quote unquote qualified advisors, the irony is they're, they're called qualified advisors, but they're not qualified to give you full financial planning advice. They're like ex- exempt almost. I'd yeah. They're kind of like bank tellers <laughs> at the moment where a bank teller can tell you about the products that they have in the bank, but they can't sell you anything. No. So these guys can't get paid in any other way based on what we've heard so far from the media. They can't get, and from the minister, we can't, they can't get paid in any way from a product. So like a commission or something like that, which makes a lot of sense. But I feel like that's like very peculiar because you could affect, what they're trying to do is they're trying to say to super funds, you've got 1 million members, go and hire a thousand financial qualified advisors and give people cash flow and budgeting advice and give them the basics. Yep. We're not going to pay, you're not going to get a commission from them, but just give them that facility. Uh, you do a risk profile for them, those types of things, I'd imagine. But the problem is you do that and the other things are going to be exploited. Definitely. I mean, not definitely, <laughs> that's the risk. But cynically, um, yes. Um, interestingly, I thought this was quite – when I, I hadn't looked at my state that closely and I had a bit of a skim at, at the other day and it's actually quite a profitable business. It looks pretty good. It's like 25% of – this is the one hairy thing. 25% of the loans are above um, the LVR of 80%. So, they're growing in that kind of – maybe they're going niche and they're backing doctors or a certain sector. Yeah. Um, but it's – the reason why this is quite interesting is that um, uh, there's really the, – because the banking industry is so competitive, it's very hard to differentiate yourself. And then even when you differentiate yourself, there's one thing you can't really compete against in Australia, which is the risk methodologies for the big banks. So, the big yeah. banks have a special ruling in law – correct me if I'm wrong, They can calculate it themselves. They effectively calculate their own risk. Yeah. So it's only awarded to the five biggest banks, and that includes Macquarie. Yep. And the other banks have to use like a standardized approach from APRA. So in effect, what it means is the big banks can lend more They're on the same yep. loan book. Exactly. That's why they had that bank levy, if you guys remember that from the COVID era, where they were going to charge like six basis points or something, zero point zero six in English. Um, <laughs> um, so they were they were going to charge those big banks more for that insurance. Um, because you, you're basically giving them a free kick. You're basically saying, all right, you five over here, you guys can have the lowest cost and everyone else, you have to compete against them five. Yeah. You're like, well, okay, how am I going to do that? Um, but that said, my state has done a pretty good job. Um, 1.63% margins is pretty standard, like you said. Um, another thing that happens is I do, from memory, they had pretty good um, deposit funding, but that's one thing you'd want to ca- uh, seek out. I feel like it's going to be a cyclical particularly as a smaller bank, it'll have great runs and then it'll have really difficult periods. Pretty consistent dividends, which is what you want from a bank. Um, I took out a quote of a recent president that said, my state welcomed a further 25,690 new to bank customers this financial year. So it's a good number. Um, it's obviously a much smaller bank, just so everyone is aware. I should have started with that. It's only 1.6. That's um, not even that. It's very small. Uh, it's what, 300, is it, mil? So I'm just getting the market cap up. Yeah, 330 mil. So uh, it's a decent dividends. It's just a very hard business. I wouldn't be surprised to see another bank 
take them up. Maybe it would yeah. probably be a regional bank that would buy them. But I wouldn't buy it on the proviso that it gets bought out. I think that's pretty hard to do, pretty pretty hard to preempt that. And as Drew reiterated, I just want to add one more thing on here. If you buy a bank, it's the irony is you don't want your bank to be growing too fast because if they're growing too fast, it means they're doing something which could hurt them in the future, yep. such as lending to the wrong people. And having higher LVRs, which could be a risk. Exactly, on the tail end. So that's a good point that you raised there, Drew. Can I be franked? <laughs> Hi, Owen, and the other guy. <laughs> I like that because normally the doctor gets all the attention. <laughs> oh, sorry. Uh, I'm confused about the value of shares. In Australia, we earn decent dividends because we are a civilized country. <laughs> this is this guy's got, This guy or gal's really? got me already. Yeah. Name, question, yeah, intro. Yeah. Like <laughs> I'm off. I'm off you. <laughs> In the US, it's not unusual to see a fully grown company paying 1.5% dividends. Why should anyone buy shares in such a company? Why does the price keep going up and up? That company will eventually die. So why do we all agree to buy and sell shares in companies that pay two percent or less? I love this. The other guys, the other the great movie. Have you seen that? Yeah, movie? I watched it recently. It's so good. Yeah, uh, Mark Wahlberg. Yeah, I'm a peacock. Yeah, gotta <laughs> let me fly. Yeah. Absolute classic. Uh, yeah, best comedy duo there. Yeah. I'm like, is this Gator's going to get those Frankie credits. <laughs> Gator. <laughs> Uh, this question, I'm like, is this surely Frank being facetious here? Well, is this, I this think is like that, I one think, of my biggest bugbears. I think this is actually uh, trying no, to trying to be a semi silly question, but there's actually some truth in this question, and that he's he or she is saying, "Well, wouldn't you just opt for the dividend return?" <laughs> that voice, what voice? <laughs> well, this kind of grinds my gears. It does. Go give me a rant. Go for it. You've got thirty seconds. <laughs> so on the, the clock. basic idea here is that a company should only ever pay you a dividend or money when it can't do something better with that money itself. Yes. Zero, Wise Tech, all these companies are perfect examples where the yield is something like two percent or something small. What what a dividend is saying is that we can't grow, we can't do anything better. We're just going to give all the money back to you. Yes, there's a little bit of you know franking, um, franking that ha- plays a little bit of a role here, but a lot of these companies, Telstra is a perfect example, get stuck in this position where they can't invest in themselves because they're paying such a big dividend, even though they need to, and they don't want to cut the dividend because so many shareholders rely on it, and they know the share price will fall and people will sell it once they cut their dividend. So, I think it all goes back to the golden rule. <laughs> Income plus plus growth plus plus growth <laughs> equals total return, which so, means both have to play a role. And you can, I, I would ultimately be looking to get both from most investments, some income and some growth, not income or growth, because I think that's actually the opposite to this. If you invest in a company that's paying out ninety percent of its profits to dividends, it's going to die or it's going to be competed out. Yeah, um, yeah. So there's a, the it's a balance, basically. It's what you're sitting between. Can I be franked and the growth oh. debate. You're basically saying, they're saying, give us more dividends. You're saying it's not just about dividends, you need some growth. Exactly. Even uh, dividend growth would be nice. Yeah. So I think paying a dividend does kind of signal capital discipline, like capital management, to capital allocation. Yeah. You don't want to pay too much. You don't want to get in the BHP camp. You know, it was like 2015. You want Sorry, that dividend BHP, to be increasing. Where they had that progressive dividend policy where they were like, we can never cut the dividend. And then they cut it and everyone just smashed the share price, all the retirees. Um, and now they're back paying great dividends. But 
you don't want to get in that situation. Um, but the ASX has gone nowhere in 16 years. Yeah, unless you include dividends. Yeah. I would just say that you need a balance of both. We had Simon Russell come on the show earlier this year or late last year and basically said you can always just sell ca- some of your capital gains. And for some people, that might be more tax efficient. Exactly. So um, you can do a bit of both. Jamie had a really good point a little while ago where he said that there is someone's done it. I can't remember who it was, but someone did this mathematical formula that, and, that where they plotted the return of income and growth against the risk. And what they found was that if you expect a 10% return, you like if you expected a 10% return, probably 4% of that might come from income. But if you try to force it too much towards growth, you lose more than you gain. And if you go too far the other way, you lose more than you gain. So you want this, this kind of this sweet spot where it's just the right amount. It's like a Goldilocks equation where you don't want to force more income and you don't want to force more growth. You just want to play it as it is and then just take chips off the table if you need to supplement your income. And that's what people get. That's where people get stuck in these traps. They go for low dividend, uh, low high PE, dividends. Yeah. high dividends, and they get stuck in the traps. It's it, oftentimes it is too good to be true. Final question before we wrap up and then we start recording this twenty. Let's make sure we focus on the the name for this. <sighs> Wanna be Doctor Derrimuth Esquire? <laughs> it's pretty good. Yeah. Hey, gents, very much admire the work you both have done. I'm currently looking into doing some postgrad courses. Good luck. Uh, a CFA <laughs> would be beneficial. A CFA meaning a Chartered Financial Analyst designation, not the Country Fire Authority, for those of you who are wondering. <laughs> a CFA would be beneficial in pretty much all aspects. Could you touch on what course is best for financial planning versus an investment analyst? And if there are any additional courses that are desirable, and what sort of career path is best to excel in these areas? Go for it. <laughs> okay, yes. Well done. You, you, you know, you're making the, the first step. I think a mm. CFA is, but it's a massive commitment. I tried and failed. Not that I'm any, <laughs> anyone particularly uh, smart or, adept. or great at uh, invest, investment analysis. It is incredibly hard, but it is, it is like hard. a base requirement to be at a portfolio, at a fund manager, essentially, yep. as far as I can tell. A lot of them, well, though, will will put you through that course once you've got experience. So doing it without being in there is quite a challenging position. Um, and then just as normal, there's graduate diplomas and there's a whole heap of groups like Kaplan where you can go very focused on the investment management and investment analysis side. Um, mm. So just if you've got a degree, keep doing postgrad degrees mm. in something relevant. They're probably a better start to get you in and then CFAs as part of a job. Yeah, I would say yes, the grad diploma is good. I've got a Bachelor of Commerce, so... That's it. Um, there is an article on the website which I've referred to a few times. I did an analysis of some buy side funds and found that obviously a Bachelor of Commerce undergrad is the most popular. Uh, postgrad, it is a Masters of Applied Finance in Australia. It's not as relevant in, say, the UK or USA, where a CFA is more worldly and globally recognized. What I would say is CFA is very, 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 very hard. It would not get you into a financial planning job. No. If you want to do financial planning, do a Masters of Financial Planning or the Grad Diploma. And then look at doing the CFP, which is what yep. Drew here is. Um, that's a noun. He is a CFP. Uh, it, and if you want to do a bit of both like I did, you could probably do some unis offer basically for you to stack your, your Masters of Financial Planning with your Masters of Applied Finance. Applied Finance is more investing. Um, I would say in the modern era, the best thing anyone could do going into finance is learn more about financial planning alongside their investing. I think to have the two of them siloed is a mistake in the modern era. I don't think we're going to have that many 
investment analysts in the future, put it that way. And I think the best thing that we could have as an industry is more financial planners. We're, we're saying there are too many investment analysts and not enough financial planners. So supply and demand would suggest that the best career prospects are probably more on the financial planning, behavioral economics side of things. As you do your financial planning course, you're going to learn about um, those types of concepts around investing, portfolio management. I would do financial planning uh, at least as a diploma. It'll give you more career options sooner. Then you can always do the others like the CFA. To Drew's point, a lot of the places like you'd have CFA level one, which is the easiest one. Uh, you could do that and then get your foot in the door and it proves that you are committed to doing the program. It's over a thousand hours of study. So if you've got a family, friends, business, it's a lot to do the CFA, whereas the master's is more modular. Finally, um, I think it's a great thing to learn about finance, particularly financial planning. Uh, if you're going to do that, pick up a book called The Master Financial Planning Guide. It's issued like every one or two years. It'll give you the answer to every <laughs> single question in every exam that you come yeah. across. <laughs> <laughs> Just don't read it at night time. <laughs> yeah. It's like really thin Bible paper style book, but um, it has all the answers and it's a wonderful resource. Okay. So, Drew, we've got one more or well, two more things to do. One, I've got to pick the best question and question a name and you have to prepare your dad joke. Can I be franked? Like that, you like that because of the question. Yeah, hello. I want to be the other guy. <laughs> so we're both it. the other guys. I like it. In that scenario, would I be Will Ferrell or would I be, would you be Will Ferrell? I'll be Will Ferrell. Actually, no, it's probably you, Gator. <laughs> <laughs> so he was a pimp the whole time. <laughs> Anyone that's seen that sh movie will know what we're talking about. Wonderful. I'm going to go back and watch that. Me I'm in, too. I'm in Sydney tomorrow. I could go and watch that in my hotel room. Very sad and just have a laugh. <laughs> just kidding. I won't be sad. I'll be enjoying myself. Um, you taste this water? Is it okay? Um, anyway, <laughs> dad joke. Segment, We've only got two more reference. dad jokes for the rest of the year. <sighs> I should have prepared a lot more. I do get your, your joke. You got the reference. Yeah. Yes. When he goes into the billionaires. <laughs> yeah. Come back. <laughs> Oh, God, how did I miss that? Okay. It's like when you miss Andrew Derrimuth. Yeah. Oh, it took me 45 minutes. Okay, three, two, one. Three, two, one. Ready to go. <laughs> Are you? Uh, this is this started because when I walked in the office, I could see a bare-chested man in the bathroom, and it was Owen getting changed. Oh, yeah. yeah. So I just went straight to toilets. <clears throat> what did one toilet say to the other? Something flushy. You look flushed. <laughs> <laughs> the butts are working. Ah, <laughs> oh, damn it. <laughs> Which is it, that one? <laughs> I think it's a good one to finish on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, that's all we've got time for this week. Um, get this out of here. Um, so if you want to get in contact with uh, Drew and the team at Waddle Partners Financial Planning, you can do that via the link in your show notes. Send Drew um, any of your case studies for the new year. You can get in contact with me on Twitter. There's also plenty of links in your show notes for financial planning. Uh, what else is there? Property coaching, uh, mortgage broking. You can join the membership service. You can take the Value Investor Program. If you were Can I Be Franked, right into us. You've got the Value Investor Program for free. It teaches you everything about value investing. Um, we... Uh, we have got some great episodes coming up for you over Christmas, but please, I'm going to call out once again. We are at the end of the show. Go into your podcast player, select the Australian Investors Podcast. Once you click on that, can I ask a question? Send us your feedback and your questions. 
it's going to be a bit of fun next week. So just send it all in. Let's have a bit of fun. Let's see out the year and get your finances in order over the Christmas period. Speak to a planner if that's what you need to do. Clean out your portfolio. Get ready for a big 2024 because if the doctor is right about falling <laughs> right, into it, <laughs> rates maybe cuts, maybe asterisks, <laughs> cuts potentially squiggly line. Um, so it could be party time. Party like it's 2020. Mm, 22. 20, 2020, March. Yeah, when did it crash? <laughs> Just after it crashed. Party anyway. Okay, so right into us. Let us know how you're going uh, with your investing now and into the new year. Okay, that's it for me. That's it for Drew. We'll see you next week. Drew, as always, thanks for joining me, mate. Good to see you. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Before you go, I wanted to share some things with you. Specifically, I wanted to tell you about the 10 ways that Rask could help you in 2024. As many of you know, Rask has grown to become one of the biggest investing and finance platforms in Australia. Across our podcasts, our websites, our memberships, and so on, we now engage around 200,000 Aussies. Which, considering we started in a humble lounge room on a Kmart desk, one of those old fake white wooden ones, I'm pretty ecstatic about where we are six years later. As part of becoming one of Australia's biggest platforms for wealth creation and preservation, we now have a very special position in the country in that we can bring you some of the best, most thoughtful, expert-driven ways to protect and grow your wealth. And I'm going to share some of those with you now. I've got 10 ways that we can potentially help you or match you with someone who can. The first thing that I want to tell you about is the biggest step we've ever taken at Rask, which is the launch of our Rask Invest platform. This is a platform that lets our team, led by me, invest for you, primarily through low-cost, diversified ETFs. We'll have three strategies at launch, and every investor who comes through can pick one of the three strategies being a balanced strategy, a growth strategy, and a high growth strategy. The balanced strategy focuses on passive income, and the high growth strategy focuses on longer term compounding. You will find a link in your podcast player to register your interest. We will be taking off soon. Number two, if you prefer to DIY your investing, you can join me and over 4,000 members inside Rascore. That's our full ETF and ASX share research membership community. You can join now and you'll get updated ETF portfolio recommendations every quarter, as well as ongoing ASX and global stock research. Every single month, we call them the all-star stocks. You get that alongside the ETF portfolios as well as other members-only content. It's called Rascore. Number three, our first ever partnership with a business other than our own was a business by the name of Blusk, which has since become Flint Group. Flint Group is led by Chris Bates and Christian Stevens, two of Australia's most highly regarded mortgage brokers. Already over 200 Rask community members have begun the Rask plus Flint Group mortgage broking process. You can click the link in your podcast player if you're refinancing, investing, a first home buyer, or whatever. You've probably heard Chris on the show many times. Number four, 
you can connect with our most trusted financial advisors. Whether you're 25 years old, just graduated uni and looking to set yourself up or approaching or in retirement and you've got that nest egg you want to protect and generate a passive income from, you can get in contact with our trusted panel of financial advisors. You can find the link in your podcast player. It's there each and every week. Just click the thing that says financial planning. Number five, if you want specialist insurance advice, as Warren Buffett said, rule number one is don't lose money. And rule number two is don't forget rule number one. Insurance is vitally important, especially when it comes to your number one asset, you. Whether you're a single income household or a couple and you just want to protect what would happen if you want to protect your family if something goes wrong, you want to protect your spouse if you lose your job, you want to protect yourself if you hurt yourself on the weekend at footy, insurance is a way to do that. And I think the best way to do insurance is through a financial planner. And there's a few reasons for that. But one of them is sometimes some insurers will only work with financial advisors, but they can also be your companion as you go through the sometimes daunting process of getting insurance done properly. Sometimes you might not even know, but you're not even covered, even though you think you are. So get the right advice. You'll find a link in the show notes to check that out. Number six, buying property. If you're like me and you're thinking of buying property in the next 12 months, or maybe you've already invested and you're looking to downsize, getting the right advice and being able to build wealth through property is a proven strategy. It might be one of the most contentious, but I think that we have one of Australia's best property coaches in our ranks. That is Pete Wargen. Pete is the host of the now super popular Australian property podcast by Rask, and he's also my analyst team's macro consultant. So if you're a member of Rascor, you will have seen Pete's name around the traps. He's a property coach and buyer's agent, and he works with a select number of people each and every year. Just a note on this. This is not a commercial thing with Pete. Pete just has great services, so we offer them to the community. And when he fills up, he fills up. You can find out more about Pete's coaching in the show notes. Next up, tracking your portfolio for tax. I think you are because I think you have to. So we've partnered with Nevexa to help you manage your share and ETF reporting, whether it's tax or performance. All Rask users get 20% off an annual plan with Nevexa. You can sync your portfolio with Nevexa's software and it automatically tracks your dividends, your capital gains tax, and more. Again, not a commercial partnership. We don't make anything from working with Nevexa, but they do create some great tools which the Rask community uses each and every day. Number eight, want to run your own business? Maybe you already do. If you want more profit, but less stress, less time consumed, and less energy lost, get in contact. We have a partner business called Inflection. The Inflection Accelerator Program is a complete online course that helps you and a community of members engage and follow a proven strategy for growing your business. I'm grateful to be one of the coaches inside the Accelerator program, helping business owners right across Australia. You can find more following the link in your podcast player. It's the one that says coaching. Number nine, if you haven't already checked it out, join over 20,000 other people who tune into the Rask YouTube channel. It is completely free and you get notified when we go live and when we publish podcast episodes. There is a podcast on the Rask network each and every day, as well as bite-sized material that's less than 60 seconds 
or those really punchy tutorials and webinars that are just 15 minutes that take you through a really exciting topic, whether it's how to buy a property, whether it's how to pick a dividend ETF. Some of our most popular content actually just explains things like, what the heck is franking credits and how do I calculate if I've got some? That's on our YouTube channel. Number 10, if you want to be a better investor, a saver, a better partner with money, or just understand your own relationship with money, you can do that, all of that, by going to the Rask Education website and taking a free course. We've enrolled over 26,000 students at the time of this recording, and we're on a mission to get to 100,000 in the next few years. Rask Education is our f- mostly free education platform covering everything from budgeting and automation to the probably, I would say, the best value investing program in the country. So whether you're a value investor, an intermediate investor, you want to know how to value Woolworth shares, or you simply just want to understand what ethical investing is or buy your first property and what actually happens on settlement day, head to the Rask Education website and enroll in something today. It is free and it supports us because then I can come on here next month and I can say we've got 27,000. And hopefully we reach critical mass where we can help more Australians manage their money better. Thank you for listening to this long-winded ad. If you want to get in contact with me, you know where to go. There's a link in your show notes. Basically, these 10 services, even though some of them we don't make any money from, support RASC and allow us to produce these podcasts, attract the biggest and best guests from Australia and around the world, and bring them to you to answer your questions. Thank you for being part of the RASC network, and thank you for your ongoing support. Bye for now.